When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. Oh, yeah. Are we starting? Sorry, I was looking at my phone. Uh, hi, I'm Ben. Ah. Uh, we are joined, as always, by our uh, super producer team. That's right. Dylan Fagan and Tristan McNeil, who, Scott, I remember that our last episode, I determined we should give them nicknames, and I totally, I totally forgot. Yeah, it's one of those times, I guess. So we're, uh, well, even if we do give them one this time, we're 50% for the last two. Yeah, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna promise it, and if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Cause, uh. We had some ideas ahead of the show, but, right. uh, I don't know if those will make it to air. You know, we should really stop researching cars and just go full-time into nicknames. <laughs> I'll probably get some good ones that way, if we spend some time on them. We never spend any time on them, really. We just kind of come up with them on the fly. That's right. Yeah, that's true. And, I, I, you know, I think that works. Uh, neither Dylan nor Tristan have written to us to complain. Not yet. Not yet. Let me check my email. You'll notice, Scott, that while we're doing the podcast, I'm checking my phone. Yeah. And I'm checking my email. Yeah, you're very busy over there holding a conversation because like most people I am hypothetically under the impression that I'm good at multitasking. Yeah. But not necessarily good at it really. You think you are. Yes. But uh but the thing is you're just you're switching your attention between different things and you're giving all of your focus to one thing and then all of your focus to another thing. You're not you're not really truly multitasking where everything has equal value across the board. Right. Absolutely. Today, Scott and I are exploring something that um, I think qualifies as a double standard for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and that is the science behind distracted driving, what happens in the brain of a distracted driver. And we started looking into this because we were doing research on teen drivers. Yeah. Uh, there's some really interesting neuroscience there but then we quickly found that it was like a glass house throwing stone situation yeah from you mean from like uh, parents or adults right saying to teens hey you got to cut this out because uh well we'll get to it eventually yeah. and i don't think you'll be surprised but there are some differences between the teen brain and the adult brain the fully formed brain the one that is uh you know it's matured i guess yeah yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of differences really but the thing is 
teens being new drivers in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. We're mm-hmm. talking about distracted driving. Teens being new drivers, distracted driving is a, a huge part of what causes a lot of these uh, these individual car accidents, these single car accidents. Yeah. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, some of the devices and things that you might initially point to. It's also having friends in the car. It's taking a phone call. Mm-hmm. It's trying to, um, heck, even trying to listen to the radio. Yeah, fiddling with the radio. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of things. You cannot shift your focus when you're a brand new driver from what you're doing because it's, it's critical. You're still learning. Yeah. You don't have that uh, that ability to do, um, you know, to talk on the phone and to drive. Eating is another big one. But, but then again, I don't know if I don't know if adults do either. Uh, yeah. A lot of adults. A lot of adults don't. Yeah. Uh, so probably the best way for us to explore this is to classify the types of distractions Yeah. in, in some rough terms. Um, but first, I do want to say. In all fairness, and Scott, I cannot speak for you in this regard. I don't think it would be fair. But I myself, ladies and gentlemen, am guilty of distracted driving. I'm I'm no saint behind the wheel, you know. So this is not either of us um, sort of shaming people or talking down to them. If you are listening to this and you're driving on the highway and you're eating some fries or maybe a double cheeseburger, even something messy like a gyro, I got your back, man. Gyros <laughs> are awesome. You know what? I've got to. I've got to. Uh... You know, come to terms with this, I guess, too, that I'm also a distracted driver in that case. I don't I don't use any kind of technology while I'm driving. Right. No phone. I, I absolutely will not answer the phone or if a text or anything. You know, the alerts don't bother me. I can just let it sit there until I get to where I'm going. Yeah. But I will routinely eat behind the wheel or, you know, even have a soft drink or something like that. You know, something simple. Sure. Or, uh, you know, adjust the radio, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things like that I do. Sure. I don't necessarily I had never really counted eating is distracted driving until just a while back when I heard that, you know, they were talking about cracking down on such things, you know, as distracted driving. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I thought, oh, come on. Who, who can't eat a cheeseburger and, you know, balance a, a drink between their legs and, and a, you know, an order of fries in the, uh, in the cup holder yeah. and drive a stick shift at the same time. Who can't do that? The restaurants have drive throughs <laughs> for Pete's sake. <laughs> I think they have a different, um, and, intent in mind you can take it home then it's hot but uh but but a lot of people just immediately as soon as you leave all that comes out right i refuse to accept that think about a long road trip or something you know you're on a on a you get the family yeah uh you stop at a a drive-through to save time uh that includes the driver the driver doesn't have an opportunity to stop and eat while Mm -hmm. everybody else you know does nothing yeah Um, yeah i'm a big fan so if you're on a highway and i know this is controversial to some people but I think driving for a long stretch on a highway in between large city centers and stuff, I think it's a very different type of driving. Um, because if you, if you are like, I, I think everybody eats on road trips unless you're, everybody eats in their car on road trips unless, you know, it's like your garage baby and there's no food allowed within 10 feet of it. Oh, I used to be that particular, but not anymore. Yeah, you used to be pretty big on that. Yeah. I remember one time off air, Scott, uh, you, you like walked up to me. I can't remember what, what we had originally talked about, but then you said, you know, man, every day in traffic, I just see people eating in their cars. <laughs> I was like, yeah, people do that. And he was like, no, no, full meals. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was, <laughs> you know what? You're reminding me of an episode that we had done a long, long time ago when we were high speed stuff. Oh, wow. And I think it was on, you know, techniques to eat fast food in the car and even uh i think there was a bib maybe 
that yeah, had, yeah, that I had, saw that. That had pockets and it folders. It had like a tray. And, yeah, and yeah. it protected your work clothes. And uh-huh. it, had, it was for people to eat things like, you know, that you would require a fork for. Like meatloaf. Uh, yeah, weird things like noodles, yeah. you know, like noodle dishes or uh, whatever. I mean, <laughs> fried chicken in a bucket or something. You know what would be great on this trip? Spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems kind of, I mean, it was it was a fun episode. I wish I knew the name of it right now, and we'll we'll maybe come up with it later. But yeah, um, it, it, that was a fun one to do. But I, it was probably in those days when uh, when I brought this up because I was a little more particular about it. But you're right. Driving between city centers, there's a different kind of driving because you're not quite as focused on, um, you know, stoplights and stop right. signs and pedestrians. And turns and, and intersections. Yeah, and cars coming from the left and right. Yeah. Um, you're all moving the same direction unless you have an exit to make. Um, unless there's, uh, you know, a traffic stop ahead of you, there's yeah. really very few distractions, really, other than maybe that cheeseburger. Yeah. Oh, man. And maybe it's just because I'm hungry that I immediately went to food. But this is this is all to say that we are aware there can often be a double standard with this. It also reminds me of a research project I tried to do off air for an episode idea. And I just couldn't pull it off, even to pitch it to you, Scott, uh, because I wanted to find a good study on the reason people don't use turn signals. But the thing is, no one will admit that they don't use turn signals. Everybody, everybody is this paragon of turn signaling whenever they're in a conversation with me or they're talking trash in some forum on the Internet. (laughs) But once they get out on the road, they act like they're going to run out. Talking trash about turn signals. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're like, oh, I hate when people don't use turn signals. Oh, I see. Gotcha. And then some people, the closest I found... Wait, 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 wait. We got we to gotta go back to this for a second. They act like they're going to run out? Of turn signals. Like, you oh. know, like when you buy the car, does it only have uh, 100 in each side? <laughs> like there's a finite number of, yeah. of turn signal blinks that you can get? Uh-huh. Uh, that's a funny way to think about that's, it. Yeah. I mean, what, what else would explain it? So one of the legitimate things I had heard, which I think is valid but I don't agree with, is the idea that, especially for drivers in, like, D.C. Um, and... For some reason, in Atlanta, too, which is way less crowded, I've heard drivers say, the problem is, when I put on my turn signal, people speed up and don't let me in. Yeah. But, and while that may be true, the reasoning of, like, I'm going to hatch a conspiracy, nobody can know my secret plan to get in the right lane, that's how accidents happen. Yeah, Because you're just swerving in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like I accidentally walked on a soapbox. That's okay. You know what? It's a it's a yeah. form of distraction. It is. It really is. It's it a is. form of distraction. So, Good save, Scott. Oh, uh, uh, you know, well, regarding the turn signals, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit soapboxy. Yeah, M- maybe a little bit, but yeah, that's yeah. okay. Uh, you know, it's important. People should be using the turn signals. But we were talking about the types of distractions. Right? Thanks for bringing me back. Yeah, well, that was ten minutes ago. It just, we were... <laughs> it just grinds my gears, man. Um, yes, yeah, so there are that's a great name for a show. <laughs> where, where have I heard of that before? <laughs> I like I like the Family Guy. Yeah, I do too. Um, all right, so I did get derailed, and thank you for bringing us back. But I do stick by everything I said about turn signals. <laughs> there are studies divide distractions into three rough types. So there are manual distractions, and that would be you know you're fiddling with the radio. Somebody has uh, like a backpack or a purse in the shotgun seat and they're driving with their left hand and they're trying to find something. Sure. Yeah. You're trying to fish something out of the glove box. Right. Anything that takes your hands away from the wheel or away from car related activities is a manual distraction. 
Another one would be uh, cognitive or auditory distraction. And this is like, I hate to say it, but we have to be honest, like listening to your favorite podcast and getting too into it or. Um, That's okay. No one really gets into this one. <laughs> I don't think, right? I mean, maybe they do. <laughs> if if you do, write in, please. Yeah, they turned off the station when I was ranting about turn signals. <laughs> but, then, but there's music too, right? There's music as well. Okay. Yeah, there's music. And then another big one that you mentioned at the top of the show, especially for younger drivers, in-car conversations. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know? yep. Yeah, that's right. So uh, there's three different main groups that uh, that affect all drivers. And what's that third one? Oh, visual. I'm sorry. I had the, uh, we've only gone through two. Yeah, yeah. The third one is visual. That's right. So there's a, there's a visual distraction as well. Now that could be anything from, Hey, your friend in the passenger seat is showing you that, uh, that Instagram snap. Look at this meme chat thing, whatever <laughs> Facebook or thing photo <laughs> you got there. Well, whatever. Something, a, a picture on your phone. Uh -huh. How about that? Yeah. Uh, they're showing you that or, you know, um, maybe there's a, a <laughs> I don't know, a, a bear in the tree. You know, that's that's outside the uh, outside your window as you pass by. Um, and I know a bear is an extreme example. Let's say that uh, someone's walking a cute dog that you want to look at. OK, uh, that's a That's a better one, maybe. Or an in-car entertainment system, you know, like a drop down screen by the uh, just in front of the rear view. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. And playing a movie. Yeah. And you, you're tempted to lean back and take a look at what's on the screen. Right. Um, or, you know, it could be even something else inside the vehicle. You know, your, your kid in the back seat, you know, who you can see in the rearview mirror is doing something funny, you know, shaking the rattle or whatever it would be. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what kids do. Grab their feet, put it in their mouth, something like that. You know, it's yeah. funny. It's a visual distraction. Absolutely. And from those three rough categories arise a panoply of diversions, road Good. time, road time dangers. Good work. Thank you. Also, um, Man, sorry about those visual dis uh, distraction examples. Those are terrible. What? No, a bear in a tree? Well, I, I would stop. I would pull over and look at it. That's pretty regional. I mean, it happens here. It probably yeah. happens in the uh, the Pacific Northwest or something. But, uh, uh, but where else, really? Bear, bear Town? Is there a place called Bear Town? <laughs> There's Bear City. There's a real Bear City? No, I don't know. Oh, uh, man. All right. Well, we will return with some examples of the stats after a brief word from our sponsors. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. 
So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Man, I can't believe I thought you were completely serious when you said Bear City. I thought it was like some conservationist thing. Well, there there may be a Bear City somewhere. I don't know. Well, if there is, what a distraction that would be. It would be. It still doesn't top the uh, largest and most common distraction that teen drivers face. And you would think, Ben, that, mm. you know, given the time that we're in right now, that texting would be the number one distraction for drivers of all ages. You know? I certainly did, but that's not true, is it? No, it's not. It's talking on the phone. Which is so strange. 90% of teens admit to talking on the phone while driving. I'd believe that, sure. But wait, wait, wait. That's admit to. I know, that's a tricky word, right? It is, because it depends on who's asking the question. Like, oh, no, I don't I don't ever do that, right? It's the same thing with people, you know, and their turn signals. Don't, oh, man. Too soon. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, And texting, which would count as a manual distraction primarily for our purposes here, it's still also a visual distraction, but I always say it counts as manual primarily. It comes in second place. Yeah, with 78% of people admitting to texting while they're driving. Now, that includes teen drivers, adult drivers as well. Sure. So, um, again, 78% admitting to it. Uh, it's a it's a real uh, can we say it's an epidemic at this point? I don't know about epidemic. It's, Maybe it's a uh, it's it's a dangerous trend. It's like a majority of drivers in that age. group. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. And I mean, 78 um, percent staggering number, really, when you consider what what is happening in the car and what's happening outside the car at 60 or 70 or 80 miles an hour. Yeah. And they're and they're, you know, averting their their uh, their gaze down to the phone screen. Mm-hmm. You know, however, a lot of people have different techniques for doing this too, I've noticed. Right, right, right. You know, it's it one technique is to hold the phone up at, you know, the about the uh one o'clock position on the on the steering wheel uh-huh. and text that way so they can keep their eyes on the road and supposedly the screen at the same time. But you see plenty of people that are staring down into their lap and you know exactly what they're doing, but they're doing that again at seventy five miles an hour. The distance you travel is just it's it's unreal when you consider your your eyes are completely off the road in that mm-hmm. time in that frame of time. And I know we sound we well at least I might sound like a curmudgeonly old man at this point. These kids on their gosh darn cellular f- telephones or whatever. But the truth <laughs> of that the truth of the matter is that texting while driving, um, the effect it produces is disturbingly similar to 
the way that someone inebriated behind the wheel would drive. Yeah, and this is where people feel confident, though. They feel that they feel that they're able to do both. They feel that they're able to drive. They feel that they're able to text. They feel they're able to combine the two. Yeah. I, uh, you know, well, again, while they're traveling at highway speeds or uh-huh. even in city traffic, which is probably even more dangerous, really. Um, maybe not fatality wise, but, uh, just, you know, minor more stuff wise. to yeah. hit. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to hit. I mean, that's where you get, you know, the, the, uh, the errant dog that runs out in front of you, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, a jogger that, you know, doesn't see you coming or, so, or yeah. you don't see them coming more likely if you're texting. Right. And there are more cars, which means there are other people who could also be texting, make a bad decision, miss something. The reaction time is slowed. And because another car could have swerved out of the way, but was also texting, boom, you've got an accident. And like, like Scott said, it comes down to multitasking because every time that we think we're having it all, you know, eating the spaghetti, texting on the phone, <laughs> uh, also fiddling with the radio. Cause you know, I got to catch the, um, Latest car stuff. The latest car stuff. There sure. we go. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think of a good radio station. <laughs> well, no, okay. There are none. Yeah. Well, everybody's got a good local station. I don't know, Ben. Podcast is king. <laughs> you got to, you got to remember that. We got to keep, right. keep saying that. Drive it home. All right. You're right. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> I'll change my ways. <laughs> it's a little bit self-serving, but, <laughs> but, but what you're getting at, I think is that, um, it affects your brain in ways that you don't really consider when you're doing all this stuff absolutely there's something physically happening here yeah so even simple car maneuvers right driving without distractions is already a really complicated endeavor cognitively speaking so like what one of the simplest things you could do in a car a right hand turn here in the u.s right sure with your turn signal yeah with your mm, (laughs) yes yeah with i'll see how many times i can fit that in it really gets to me, man. All right, I won't. Um, but no, 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 it's fine. People need to know, Scott. But even, point being, even if you are turning with a signal or without a signal or reversing uh, your car, those actions require multiple brain regions to operate in concert. So the motor, the parietal, the occipital, and the cerebellar cortices. So all these different lobes and brain regions are firing up. You know, mm-hmm. the, the part of your brain that says, like, let's handle spatial reasoning. Let's handle this muscle movement, et cetera. And, and it can be confusing to a new driver because it's a sensation that they don't normally get. They're, it's a confusion, really, yeah. of what to do. And it's almost like you have to step through these processes in order to back the car out of the parking spot at Target or wherever you are. Right. Maybe, maybe you know, experienced drivers take that for granted now. You know, they're, they are able to carry on a conversation with someone in the car at the same time. But then again... There's still adults that will need to, uh, you know, in, in some cases, like I think someone, one, one of these people here pointed out that um, you need to turn down the radio every time you try to parallel park the car. Or I've done this before where I've had the radio up nice and loud. Yeah. And when I exit the highway, I turn it, turn it down uh, just because it seems like it, it sharpens my focus. It, mm-hmm. it seems like it, uh, it allows me to concentrate better on what I need to know. Like the next road, I need to make a left on Elm, but with the radio cranked up and people in the right. car distracting me and everything. Yeah. Um, just take one of those distractions out of the, out of the scenario. That's yeah, that's a good point. And it's illustrative of the actual experience. And I, this is something that a lot of people encounter. We've all probably encountered this, but you, you don't read too much about it. Not only can the music distract you, 
but the type of music that you're playing, if you're playing music, can affect the way you drive. You know, like louder uh, rock music. Ah, man, I sound like I'm in my 90s. Uh, <laughs> loud, you know, like louder rock music with a nice bass groove and like really hard-hitting drums, a snare cymbal, electric yeah. guitar riff. People drive faster sure. when they're listening to that sort of music. Versus classical music or something sure. a little more calming or right. you know, like a smooth jazz or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's... it's uh, it's something that's common. We've had some conversations with listeners in the past about, um, you know, maybe road trip uh, soundtracks. Yeah, you know, like the what, best music. Yeah, yeah. Like your old mixtape, right? You're uh-huh. going to put together a mixtape. But if you're going to put together, you know, a, a modern electronic version of that, Ben, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have your, your favorites on there, what's going to be included? And, and that may give it a, give a hint or an idea of what type of driver you are, really. Right. That's a good point, Scott. But regardless of what type of driver you may or may not consider yourself, your brain has the same order of operations for the same driving situations as the vast majority of other drivers. So what happens when we add a distraction? You know, somebody takes a phone call. This is when your parietal lobe really comes into play. So the parietal lobe handles this attention switching that we were talking about earlier, you know? Yeah. So the, the part that's, Look at the cheeseburger. Eat the cheeseburger. Also drive. Don't hit that car. Oh, it's a cheeseburger. That switches back and forth can be confused with multitasking. The parietal lobe is in charge of that, and it's also in charge of integrating sensory information into, you know, the gestalt, the overall experience, right? So that's why you can hear and see things at the same time. But something weird happens when you're listening to sentences on a cell phone while you're driving. Because you're trying to focus on whatever they're saying as well. So again, you're switching between these two mm-hmm. things. So you're you're focus switching, and the activity in that region of the brain decreases by something like thirty seven percent when you're trying to listen to a cell phone conversation and drive at the same time. Scary. You, you can see where this would be dangerous, right? And this statistic goes for all drivers, adults as well as teens. There's another brain region that comes in to play here. So while the parietal lobe activity is decreasing, activity in the prefrontal cortex, and this is responsible for decision-making, it also plays a role in multitasking, quote-unquote, activity in the prefrontal cortex increases while you're doing more stuff, eating cheeseburger, listening to, you know, um, the latest uh, Billy Joel I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's what the kids are listening to. Billy Joel, <laughs> a lot of Elton John in there, um, you know, some Steely Dan, of Did course. You, Billy Joel hasn't put out an album <laughs> since, like, 1993? Uh, no kidding. No I, you kidding. Know, I've seen Billy Joel in concert many times. I, have you really? Decent show. He's going to be the first one to perform at the uh, first music performer at our brand-new stadium here in Atlanta, oh, uh, wow. SunTrust Park. You got so, tickets? Oh, no, I think it's tonight. I think it's happening very soon, uh, you know, as we record this, but... Um, again, way off topic. We're, we're, <laughs> on, we're not yeah. a music show, right? But, right, right. but, but the thing is, um, that switch that you're talking about, you know, the, the, the way that, um, you know, one area decreases activity, another one increases activity. Right. There's something called inattentional blindness. And I'm saying that the right way, I hope, but not, yeah, yeah, inattentional. It's not unintentional. It's yeah. inattentional. Inattentional. What does that mean? Well, it means that you can look at something without really grasping what it is. You can, you can look at it and not see it. So oh, there yeah. could be a red light in front of you. Um, it could be anything like um, 
Um, a walker, you know, someone walking across sure. the road, a pedestrian, yeah. a bicycle that's on the on the shoulder. Uh, it could be just about anything. A sign that says merge or yeah. wrong yeah. way. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> again, all of these are dangerous. If you have this this uh, this temporary inattentional blindness. Right. A temporary lapse in attention can have lasting effects. So we're, we've been talking about some of the cognitive stuff, visual and manual distractions create that same kind of, let's call it a temporary brain drain. Uh, so it's, it's draining activity in one area to give a little extra oomph in the other, in the other parts of your brain. Even though it happens to everyone, this poses a particular and a heightened danger to newly licensed teens. Yeah, in particular. For, for teens, it's even worse because this is where it comes back to where I'm saying uh, not a fully developed adult brain because um, you know, when you're licensed to drive, you're, let's say, ballpark 15, 16 years old. Yeah, usually. You know, you have yeah. permit driving, that type of thing. Mm, some states have like a 14-year-old provision, but. Yeah, yeah, there are exceptions here and there, but uh, but you're young. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, all the stuff that we talked about, all these distractions and everything, that happens to everybody, but the undeveloped team brain, I mean, they, they've got a prefrontal cortex that doesn't develop or are mature until they're in their mid-20s. So there's a significant amount of time that they have to wait until they really have all of their cognitive skills together. You know, like yeah. the whole brain's really working together, firing together to make all this work so that uh, they're on a, on a level ground, I guess, with more mature drivers. So that's almost a decade of driving before this maturation occurs, which means not only are younger drivers multitasking more than previous generations, but they're also not as well equipped to divide their attention. And of course, neither Scott nor I are condoning adult drivers multitasking or attention switching, but we are saying it's even riskier for teens. So one in three teens take their eyes off the road when app notifications come on. You know, mm -hmm. here's the new, what did you call it? Snapchat, Facebook. Twitter and yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's whatever the kids are holding in their hands these days. Uh, but the, here's the problem mm. is that you would think that you could just, you know, kind of give a lecture to your teen or your uh, your new driver and say, hey, don't do that when you're behind the wheel. It's yeah. not a smart thing. Here's all the statistics. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just not a smart thing to do. So the question is, Ben, mm. where are they learning this? Uh, we will answer that question after a brief word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees. 
a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. That's right. As Scott used to say, you pay for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. So what's going on, man? Where are kids learning all these terrible habits? From their parents. It turns out that teens watch the parents, and uh, and that's where they pick up a lot of these bad habits. They pick up good habits, but they also pick up bad habits. And, and those are the ones that you want to really focus on, you know, maybe not doing yourself when you've got a teen that, you know, young impressionable young driver or, you know, somebody who's almost of driving age. Sure. Uh, you really want to clean up your act at that point because they are watching you. They're watching what you do. They want to be like you, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's great compliment, but, yeah. but not so great if, you know, mom and dad text behind the wheel. So here is, uh, here's, here's one of the statistics that blew my mind. So we said earlier, top of the show around there that 90% of teens talk on the phone while they're driving. Yeah. Ninety-one percent of parents do the same thing. Well, there you go. It proves it, right? Teens watch their parents, learn from what they do. They do exactly the same thing. So the teens that are that are uh, you know children of parents that text also text themselves. And I know this feels a little you know public service announcement e or whatever, but the the science here is interesting because the multitasking occurs on and off the road. It doesn't it doesn't matter what you're doing. I've been going over and over in my head. Again and again, the old uh, insult, he can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think technically no one is. I, I, it sounds like our brains are just switching to like, chew gum, chew gum, left foot, chew gum, chew gum, right foot. Kind at, of feels at like a really that. fast rate. It, it really does feel like that. But, you know, driving just accentuates this. I mean, it, yeah. it, it shows you that, you know, driving is not the exact same thing every time. Like, let's say, okay, you're chewing gum and walking example. Sure. I, I think you can get away with that because, of course, muscle memory, it tells you that when you've got gum in your mouth, yeah. you just chew, right? Well, plus I'm kind of like a, a maverick. I'm, I'm a really good walker. Is that right? Oh, I thought maybe, I thought maybe it was the, the type of gum that you chewed that made you the maverick. You know, That's like good. A, yeah, throwback gum of some kind. You know, like Fruit Stripe or, you know, Big Red or something. Oh, you remember Fruit Stripe? Uh, yeah, that stuff. <laughs> Fruit Stripe worked for about 10 seconds. That was so weird, Or man. less, and then it was awful. Okay, it wasn't just me. No, no, no. Modern gum has the ability to hold flavor for so much longer. Kids just don't know how good they've got at these things. Really. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, so, 
So there are ways to fix this, regardless of how much gobbledygook might seem involved with the terminology by neuroscience. Yeah, it's uh, there. There are easy ways. And the first one is to just be a good example, not only if you're a parent teaching a kid, but if you're an older driver, you know, and you've got a newer driver with you for some reason, like uh, maybe you have a cousin or, you know, uh, a sibling or something closer to your age. Yeah. Then you still can be helpful too, even if you're just a passenger. You'd be like, hey, don't kill us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with speaking up when you're in the car, you know, if something's going wrong. Uh, but but again, set a good example, you know, no matter what your age is, really. I mean, because someone is looking up to you as a role model or someone is looking at you as an example of what to do when you're behind the wheel. So it, it all makes sense. I mean, you really, you really do need to set that good example. Um, there are other things that you can do, too, Ben. And now this one, <laughs> this one's a this is an interesting one that you may have to uh, really coerce somebody to, to to partake in really i but, think um, uh i th- i think i know what you're gonna say well it's getting to like getting toward the road rage type situations you know where where you need to maintain a level head and and i would say that new drivers and experienced drivers alike have problems with this yeah with road rage and that's uh i don't know if we've done a road rage episode but uh, we probably should if we haven't um but Let's do it, it seemed, live in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could definitely tag along in my car because I sometimes experience that. So I, I would say that um, this is it might be a tough a tough sell in a lot of cases. Yeah. But if you can teach somebody or you can talk somebody into, um, as funny as it sounds, meditation or calming exercises of some kind or even listening to gentler music. Or maybe you can just maybe think of something calming or soothing when something like this happens. But, you know, um, meditation or just, you know, calming exercises really do help in a lot of cases. Yeah. And I, I know this for a lot of people. I include myself in this group. Initially, this sounds kind of hippy dippy. It does. It's like, what, what kind of slippery slope is this? Do yeah. I need to start like aromatherapy and you know, bubble baths? No, or you don't need to have like a chime on your, on your wristwatch and, you know, put your, uh, you know, your thumb and your forefinger together and go, oh, or anything like Yo, that. I'm we saying, should get a gong. You know, <laughs> well, you know, there, there are certain tricks that you can do to calm yourself down and everybody has right. their own little thing. Yeah. And think it, of your mind like a muscle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you need to relax that sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's just that you're, sometimes your blood pressure just goes through the roof and there are ways to bring that back down and everybody needs to work on that, myself included. So again, no soapbox here. I mean, I'm I'm lumping myself in with everybody else that's angry on the road. Sometimes it happens. I I had to reluctantly come on board with this uh, because you know, despite my initial aversion, it does it does have an impact. There's another one that your insurance company may also ask you to consider, which will it could have an effect on rates. You know, if you're if you're springing for your kids' insurance, um, but I am not persuaded that these work. What's that? That's the uh, parent kid drive, like a driving contract. Oh yeah. So if, uh, if you violate a curfew, say, yeah, then uh, you lose driving privilege. Yeah. Here's yeah. the, here's the penalty. And yeah. if you, um, you know, like, well, you're caught speeding, let's say you get a speeding ticket. Yeah. Uh, here's the penalty. And it may be, you know, you lose your phone privileges for a week or whatever the case may be. I mean, it could be stronger than that even. Um, but there's there's all kinds of if this then that situations that are set up on a, on these driving contracts and they're yeah. available online. Yeah, um, you can just download them and and work with your family to figure out what is best for you guys. Yeah, it's just a fill in the blank thing, really. I mean, mm-hmm. but it, but it's a contract that you both sign and you both agree to, and then 
uh, you know, you post it somewhere and uh, someone violates one of those those rules or regulations, uh, the penalty should happen. I mean, that's that's one of the things you got to enforce it. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a legally binding document. And also, I'm not I'm not persuaded. Of course, I'm not in that situation. Yeah, I'm not out here trying to get kids to sign paperwork. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, what's with the clipboard then? Oh, no, 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 that's, uh, that's actually for, uh, I've got some oceanfront property in, uh, Utah. I was like, you know, oh. like you to get in early. Well, let me just get my pen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, right. oh, uh so, um, you know, there's, there's one other thing too. What's uh, that? We should probably mention is that just open communication with, uh, if you have a teen driver and mm-hmm. I know we're not picking on teens by any means, but if you have a teen driver, open you know, open talks about, you know, like what they're doing on the road is, is a, is a great idea. If they say that they get into a car a lot of, you know, with their friends and their friends are texting, uh, maybe you have some sage advice that you can pass on to them, you know, like how to, how to get out of that situation. I know that, you know, when a lot of us that, that would have teens right now yeah. are, are, were young enough to, to drive, the distractions were different. They weren't the phones. They weren't, you know, the, the Snapchat that the kids are using and all that, right? <laughs> I guess so. The insta, Scott. the insta snap, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. The um <laughs> Okay, I'm playing it up a little bit, but, little it, but bit. it but it was different. You know, there were there it were is. different distractions. Yeah. And and we've gone through the same thing. So you can offer some of that advice to your teen driver. And mm-hmm. you know, it's not bad just to kind of have a back and forth conversation with someone who's a new driver anyways, because they may have some questions or concerns that you can answer easily for them. Right. That they've just you know, otherwise they don't have anybody to go to really. Yeah. Um yeah, so yeah. it's worth it. I think, I think that's very well said, Scott. I think that's a good point. And I have to say, while we were looking into this, I realized that I am fascinated by brain activity for different types of driving. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I want to know what you think about this, folks. Would it be, would it be worth our time to look into what goes on in the brain of a race car driver? Because, you know, those men and women have such sharp, fast reaction times. Yeah. Like abnormally higher than the average person. Have you ever seen, there's there's a few, um, not studies, but more like, uh, you know, I, I think that where they train, you know, when they train drivers, because uh-huh. of course they're, they're physical athletes, they have to be, but they also train them with reaction times. And, you know, whether that's like a drag racer who has to react to, you know, the, the Christmas tree lights or somebody that, you know, just simply needs to have quick quick responses like an yeah. Indy car driver or a NASCAR driver. Sure. Um, they'll place them in front of a wall. Sometimes I've seen this one example, like a huge wall with lights on it. Uh-huh. And the idea is that as the lights light, you have to touch the light as fast as you can. Oh, wow. And these guys are incredible with this. I mean, super fast reaction times. Um, and then they show, you know, somebody else who's not, you know, like maybe let's say it's a, uh, you know, Sunday morning race that's happening. You know, it's like one of these, um, I don't know, like, a, you know, personal interest type stories or something sure, you know, where, sure, where sure. They, they highlight one of the drivers, they focus on that. Yeah. It's a biography piece. So they'll do that. And then, you know, the person that's there to interview the driver or whatever, will give it a shot and they just fail miserably at the same tests. Uh, so mm. it shows you how sharp the mind is of these people. And, and you've got to wonder if they're using parts of the brain that we're not using when we drive daily. I have to assume that they are, they, they must be with, with such crit- I mean, just fast critical decisions are yeah. made and just so quick. But but who would have thought that, you know, there's, what, five regions of the brain that are four or five regions of the brain that are used just simply making, you know, a right turn or merging in Easily, traffic. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about everything that's happening inside your head all at once. Well, because you drive you drive with your whole body, right? You got to you got to use 
your limbs. You got to use your senses. You have to plan ahead. I mean, it's one of the coolest things that people have ever done. Like the species. Yeah. I mean, it's hand, eye, foot coordination. Yeah. It's thinking, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, I guess estimating or guessing what people are going to do ahead of you. I mean, there's, right. there's so many things that come into play when you're driving and, and we're all subject to that. It's not just teens. It's, right. it's mature drivers as well. And, uh, man, it's just, it's just a lot happening there. And we hope this, uh, this look at some of the neuroscience has, uh, been helpful or at least interesting to you. Uh, now you are, armed with some statistics you can drop in a conversation because Scott, one thing we didn't say, we've got a lot of younger listeners out there too. So if your parents are getting a little high and mighty, you can go ahead and let them know that statistically they are just as bad, if not worse yeah, uh, I, in terms of driving habits. I learned it from watching you, mom. Yeah. Say it just like that. Make sure well, you point your finger accusatorily. <laughs> wasn't that an old commercial? Yeah. I, yeah, I so. think I learned it from it watching was a, you, dad. It, it was like a drug yeah, commercial or something? I think it was like heroin or something. Oh, uh, I mean, uh, anti-drug PSA. I think a drug commercial is yeah, different. Well, well, it wasn't promoting heroin use. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was, uh, you know, the opposite, quite the opposite. So, so, um, <laughs> or something like that. It yeah. was another, it was a, it was an anti-drug commercial. Right. And, uh, it's an often quoted line. But yeah, I suppose, mm. uh, in this case, texting and driving, talking on the phone. Yeah. Uh, they did learn it from watching mom and dad in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, this this episode, uh, if you found this interesting, there are some other episodes we'd like to recommend if you haven't checked them out before. Uh, we did probably one of my favorite topics, if not the actual episode. We did an episode on taxi drivers in London. Oh yeah, with the knowledge. Yeah, what yeah. is the knowledge? Well, the knowledge the knowledge is a uh, a test that all London taxi drivers have to take, right? Yeah. And you clued me into this, so this is your this is your thing. But I I know of it now because of the episode, but. It, it's it grows the brain. The brain physically grows after you take this test or while you're learning to take this test because yeah. it, it is it's probably the most intense test that anybody would have to take anywhere really. I mean it's yeah. well okay I, for driving I, at least for driving maybe that's a, I'll have to qualify that with for driving but uh -huh. um but it's really complex because they're traditionally not allowed to have a map with them or a GPS. They simply have to know uh, a vast amount of London's roads and the various routes to take depending on changing traffic conditions. So it's not just like, what's the fastest way to get between this point and that point? Yeah. It's give me five routes that go between here and there. And which one is best at 3 p.m. on a Sunday considering there's a game yeah. or something like that. And, and you have to learn that for the entire city and for every time and knowing all the events that happen. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's an, unbelievably complex test or quiz that you have to take in order yeah. to become a London taxi driver. So those guys and girls know their stuff. And what the, what the studies found, this is so weird. This is real mind over matter stuff. What they found was after a, a certain amount of time driving as a cab driver, after passing the knowledge and operating as a, as a black cab driver, uh, then these people would have, as Scott said, physically larger regions of the brain associated with spatial reasoning. Their thoughts actually change the physical world in the strangest way. So you can check out that episode for more neuroscience as it interacts with the automotive world. And then a couple others that you might want to check out, depending on which side of the, the driving age war you're on, uh, would be our previous episodes on 
the driving age limit on both ends. Yeah, is 16 too young, mm-hmm. or is it uh, is it just right? I mean, a lot of people yeah. feel that, uh, again, with what we've described here today, that you know maybe you're just not exactly ready, your brain's not exactly ready for that type of responsibility yet. Yeah, and, and at what age should there be a mandatory age to remove someone's driving privileges? Yeah, that was an interesting episode. I, I remember we got a lot of feedback on that from, uh, you know, adults and, and kids that yeah, were yeah. just learning to drive. So, mm-hmm. um, even, there were even some, you know, I'll say some youngsters, uh, that wrote in and said, you know, I, I kind of understand what they're saying. I mean, maybe it's not the time to drive. Like maybe, maybe I'd, I'd be able to make better, more mature decisions. If we were to wait a little bit later in life, let's say the driving age became 21 instead of 60. Right. Yeah. And it's a good question. You can find all those shows along with every show Scott and I have ever done on our website, carstuffshow.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Please don't look while you're driving. And uh, good advice. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. And one last thing. All of our best ideas for topics come from you. Not a general you, you specifically. So if you have an idea for something we should cover in an upcoming episode that you think your fellow listeners want to hear, let us know. You can email us directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.